Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today is one of those unique days, DCC, that, that I, I need to share some thoughts that will speak to the special day that it is. It is Support Staff Appreciation Day, but I also want to speak to the lives of all of us as individuals in this room also. And, th- and this is a chore. I'm not going to lie to you. It's never an easy task, but I'm willing to give it a shot if you're willing to listen. Some of you are like, no, I've already checked out, but that's all right. It's not an easy task, but we do have this promise that God's word will go forth and that it will not return void. And so I believe if I can teach God's word today and and maybe somewhere along the way it can speak to the staff, but I believe it's also going to speak to us all over this room. Throughout my life, I have met many people. And some of those people have been very interesting and, and even some of them have been famous. Um, I remember a number of years ago, a few years ago, uh, my family, uh, we, we were traveling actually with, with Mandy's family, and we were all on a cruise together. And we were uh, docked in Nassau, Nassau, Bahamas. And, and while there, we were going to explore a little bit, and we were going to go over to Atlantis after dinner. I don't know if you've ever been to the resort, the Atlantis Resort. And we were going to go over there after dinner. And I, I knew we were going to be walking, and, and so I wanted to, to dress very comfortably. And so I was wearing tennis shoes, shorts, and it was a little cool that night. And, and I remember, I know it's like in the Bahamas, but it was still, it was a little cool that night. I think, what, were you we traveling like in February or something like that? December. It was actually in December. And so it was snowing in the Bahamas. And, and uh, <laughs> no, we, we, I decided I was going to wear a long sleeve t-shirt with my shorts and my tennis shoes, and, and I put on one of my Boston Celtics long sleeve t-shirts and I have a few of them and so I was wearing that and and Mandy looks at me before we leave the cabin and she says why are you wearing that and I said well we're you know she said you're supposed to dress nicer for dinner I said I have the whole time but I said now you know we're gonna go exploring and sightseeing a little bit after dinner and she was like "I I really wish you'd wear something nicer okay so I changed my shirt, and I ended up putting on just a collared polo shirt. Uh, I believe it was like a, a gator, you know, polo shirt. And I, I put that on, and that was kind of the, the happy medium there, you know, to satisfy the wife and, and also be comfortable also. And so we ate dinner, and then after dinner, we, we all got in cabs, and we went over to the Atlantis Resort. And we're walking around. We see all of the, the beautiful aquariums that they have. If you've never been there, it's an amazing sight. And it was dark outside now, and, and we walked outside, and I remember we were standing on this huge balcony out, out one of the back doors uh, of, of the lobby area. A lot of people are, are, you know, don't go in and out of those doors. And we're standing out there on this balcony, and I'm looking, and there's all of these huge yachts out there. And we're all out there, like, dreaming. You know, we're like, that one's mine over there, you know. No, no that one's mine, you know. And, and so we're all dreaming and all that kind of stuff, and we finally get tired of dreaming. And we turn around to go in this door, and as we're walking in the door, there's this, this family, and they're, they're, they're all super tall. They're all huge. They're, they're walking out, and that's when we realize it's five-time NBA champion Magic Johnson and his family. And they walk out of the doors right there. I mean, and I'm like, and I run back out, and I went, Magic! And his family doesn't stop. You can tell they're used to this, and they just keep walking. They're going down a ramp, and I can see a limousine at the bottom of this ramp out the back of this building, and they just keep walking, and magic turns around. And I said, come on, man, just one picture. 
And he looks and he sees Caleb. And, and Caleb was just this, you know, redheaded little kid at, at the time. And he sees Caleb and he says, I'll take a picture with the boy. I said, that's fine. That's fine. Caleb, get over there. Get over there. Caleb jumps over there and, and I get my phone and I take the picture. And by now the rest of the family is kind of gathered behind me. And Magic says these words. Come on, dad, get in the picture with us. Yes. Yes. So I jump in the picture and, 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 and we get our picture made and I, I have it in my office. It's, 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 it's awesome that, that we got to meet Magic Johnson, five-time NBA champion. Now, here's what you have to realize. He's a Los Angeles Laker. Do you know how thankful I was for my wife that had the gift of discernment and told me to change my shirt, my Boston Celtics, because he probably would not have given us the time of day, probably. Throughout the years, I've met some interesting people. One time I, I got to meet and actually have a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Malcolm Gladwell. Um, I, an amazing person. I, I have met different senators and political leaders through the years. Um, there's been a few times where I've been, been able to meet some well-known megachurch pastors and, and things like that. Even some Grammy-nominated artists. And we actually had one come here one time. And, and even Grammy award-winning artists, um, uh, Skillet. I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I met them one time at a speaking engagement that I was at. And, uh, but here's what we all know that these encounters are, are extremely superficial. There's no meat to them at all. They don't carry any weight and they're certainly very one-sided. I remember them, but I doubt they remember me at all. But that's not really the relationships that I'm talking about today. That's not the people that I, I'm talking about when I, when I say the people you meet. Many of the people that I've crossed paths with were only in my life for a short period of time. Maybe you have some people like this in your life too or had them in your life. Some of them, I, I actually met that morning and by the end of that day, we had had all the contact with each other that we will ever have for the rest of our lives. And that's pretty much where that relationship went. went. Others, they were a part of my life for more than a day. Maybe uh, I knew them for a few weeks or, or, or for a few months, possibly a year, two years, maybe even, maybe even a few years. But for some reason or another, they are no longer in my life. And I've even noticed this, that occasionally people will, will leave my life only to return some time later. Uh, not always the case, but it does happen from time to time. But some of the people that I have met along the way have been with me for a long time and they will be with me for a while. Uh, they have seen my good times. They have seen my bad times. They have laughed with me. They have cried with me. They know my strengths and they know my weaknesses. And of course, you know, I'm probably talking about my staff, you know, and there's other people in this room also that you fall in that category. Uh, you've seen me in my good times and my bad times. You've laughed with me. You've cried with me. You know, my strengths, you know, my weaknesses. And so the question comes to my mind, do all of these relationships matter? Do all of these relationships matter? No matter how long you've known them, the people that we cross paths with, do these relationships matter? Is there a purpose behind the people you meet? And I think the answer is very simple. I believe so. I believe that there is a purpose behind every person that we meet. Every single person that you meet, they are there for a reason. 
your path cross with their path for a divine purpose in your life and or a divine purpose in their life. And you may not always know why, but you have to understand that it is never by coincidence that when two paths cross, cross, there is a reason why God is lining your life up with them. No matter how short the relationship is or how long it is, there's a reason why. Now, I need to become extremely transparent for the next few moments. And, and I, I hope that you, you don't judge me for this, but, but I, just, I, I just need to be human just for a few moments with you because I know that there's some other people in the room that you're probably struggling with some of the same things. Last year, I went through a time of extreme uncertainty in my own life. I know that many of you in the room, you have no idea about this, and, and it, it was kept kind of private with me. But I did. I went through a time of extreme uncertainty. Our church was the largest that it had ever been up to that point, which means that the needs and the workload was the greatest that it had ever been. But my staff was the smallest that it had been in five years. And what I realized is that there were, there were a few of us that we were killing ourselves. And it was very discouraging. Uh, we had a few staff members that, that left for one reason or another. And, and um, if you remember during that time, we, we said goodbye to a youth pastor that had only been here for 18 months. And, and with that brought some disappointment with that. We had a, a children's ministry pastor that was only here for five months. And so through all of that, it, it left us very understaffed. And to be honest with you, I was very disheartened and I was very disappointed. I didn't lose faith in God, that wasn't the case, but the process was wearing me out. And I was very, very confused and I was, I was questioning my ability to hire the right people. And so during that time, I wanted to surround myself with people that I could trust because I was not trusting my, my own judgment during that time. And so I, I asked the administrative council and I asked the staff and I asked all of their spouses to help me and assist me in the process of interviewing potential staff members. And, and I knew that ultimately the decisions were going to, to fall on me, but I just needed I needed some backup. I needed some reassurance. I needed someone to come alongside me and to help me make some of these decisions because I was just, I was just very weak during those moments. And, and here's what I've realized in life is that people come and go. I don't like it, but people come and go. Friendships, they come and go. Uh, coworkers, they come and go. I know that even extended family members could come and go. I, I, even recently, I've, I've had to deal with a sister-in-law that I've known for most of my life that after a divorce, now what do we do with that? How does she fit into the scheme of things? How is she part of our family? And, and, and it's just tough to go through these kind of things and, and people come and go. And, and, and even, I hate to say this, but even sometimes church members come and go. And for me as a pastor, it's tough because mentally I don't do too good when people leave. They say, don't take it personal, but there are moments when, when it just hits you personally and, and especially when you're close to those people. And I've had to realize, and I believe God has done a work in me over this past year, I've had to realize that there are different reasons why some people are in your life. And, and sometimes it, it requires different time frames on why these people are in your life. And so I want you to turn with me this morning to Ruth chapter 1. 
I'm going to read 18 verses, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And I believe God is going to speak to us as individuals today about some of the relationships in our lives and some of the relationships that are no longer in our lives and what that means to us. Ruth chapter 1, it's in the Old Testament. Still here and see a few people turning. I know that this is not one of the easier books to find. <laughs> Joshua, Judges, Ruth. There you go. Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her daughters-in-law, with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go. Return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of, of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lift, lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back. My daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I, if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, I, and more also if anything but death departs me, me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Everybody is put into your life for a reason. Everybody that you cross paths with, they're there for a reason. There is a, a reason why they are in your life. Many people are put into your life for a season. And then some people are there for a lifetime. When we begin to understand their purpose and why they are a part of our lives, then we can glean from that acquaintance. But when we try to make that acquaintance into something that it is not meant to be, it is always going to leave us disappointed. 
You see, seasonal relationships are not always bad. It's taken me a long time to understand this, but seasonal relationships are not always bad. When I was 21 years old, I was hired by the Live Oak Church of God to be their youth pastor. I was inexperienced, I had no idea what I was doing, and when I got there, there were about 12 kids there. It's a very established church, it had been around for years, a church running well over 200 people, but yet their youth program had never flourished. And so the pastor hired me, and I was their first really full-time youth pastor to come in, and, and we were there for two years. I mean, it's scary, it was like two years to the day. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget what God did in our lives during that season while we were there. But when that season was done, we left. When that season was over, we were no longer called to that church anymore, and, and we left. And, and yet, it was painful. It was tough to say goodbye to some friendships. It was tough to say goodbye to some students that were there. But when God opened the door for us to move to Tampa to go on staff at University Church, that season of life was now over. We get to University Church, and there God really begins to, to pour into us. I, I remember uh, walking in, and it's one of those fake it till you make it deals. I, I had no idea. I had been at, a, at a, a much smaller church. Now we're walking into a larger church, and, and I'm on staff, and I'm, I'm, now I'm part of, of a large staff. The other church, we had three staff members. Now I'm walking in, and, and, and there's just staff everywhere. And, and it, was, it, was, it was an overwhelming experience. But while there, God was sowing into my life and, and sowing into our lives, and he was, he was raising me up to be a better leader. There was a lot of training that was happening that I didn't even realize was training. There was a lot of trust that was being put onto me as an associate that, that was changing my life and changing me as a leader. And we stayed there for seven years. And, and, and here's what, what, what initially I thought that season of life had come to an end. But here's what I realized through that whole thing is that there are relationships that were built specifically with the pastor and his family that last a lifetime. It was different than the first experience, the first church that I was, I was at. It, 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 not to knock them by any means, it's nothing to do with them, but it was a different divine relationship that God called me to. The first time, the first church, it was just a season. Now we're there for a longer season, but these relationships, they are for a lifetime. I know because we, we talk with each other often. My pastor has, has since moved on from that church. He's at a different church and, and we talk often. And, and, and it's, it's a neat relationship because not only do I call him for advice, but he often calls me for advice. And, and, and constantly we are, we are in communication with one another. As a matter of fact, this next Saturday, Mandy and I and, and Kendall, we will be at his youngest son's wedding. And, and, and it's just a different relationship, we realize that this truly is not just a seasonal relationship, this is a relationship that will last forever. Now, these two daughters-in-law were with Naomi through the hardest season of her life. They were there to help hold her together after losing her husband and then losing both sons, their husbands. And we all need people that we can be ourselves around because it was a difficult time for Naomi. Difficult time. They saw her at her worst. Even though the Bible doesn't record it necessarily, this was the most heartbreaking time for this mother, for this wife. 
This was a tough time. And, and, and no doubt there were moments when she was probably ready to lose it. But yet she was surrounded by these two daughter-in-laws that were there to help her through this very difficult time. And we all need those kinds of people in our lives, people that, that we can be ourselves around. You see, I need people in my life that grant me the ability to be vulnerable. That's what my staff does for me. That's one of the reasons why I appreciate them so much is because they allow me to be very vulnerable with them. You see, I get to lead through my strengths, but, but when you really want to connect with someone, you connect through your weaknesses. That's how relationships are built. When you are, are able to display some of your weaknesses around these people, then you know that true relationships are being formed. These are relationships that will last a lifetime. Because relationships find a whole new level of trust when someone sees you broken. But this is the tough part. Not everyone is meant to move forward with you. Orpah leaves her mother-in-law to return to her hometown. We read it in text. Even though at first she was willing, both daughter-in-laws are willing. No, where you're going, we're going. If you're returning back to Bethlehem, we're going with you. And Naomi stops them and, and begins talking very sensibly with them. Uh, and, and she begins to tell them, no, you, you don't want to do this. You see, I'm old. And the custom during that time was if your husband died, if he had a brother, then you would marry him and he would take care of you. But that was the only two sons she had. And so she looks at him. She says, I'm old. I'm not married. And even if I was married, if I was to get pregnant now, are you going to remain single for all of these years until my next son reaches an age of maturity to where you can marry him? And, and let's just be honest, it just gets a little weird when you start thinking about that. I mean, they're going to be changing his diaper, helping him grow up, and then you want to marry him? She says, this is nonsense. You need to go back to your hometown. You need to go back home and let me just live my life. And Naomi was a little bitter during this time. And she is trying to put some distance between her and these daughter-in-laws. Let me tell you something about people that will, that will leave you. Because Orpah was ready to leave. Finally, she was convinced and she left. Let me, let me just say this to you. If people can leave you, let them leave. If people can walk away from you, let them leave. It's so important for us to understand this because so many times we try to hold on and hold on and hold on, but, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are bad people. Now, in some situations it is, but it's not always the case. It might be a divine separation that's happening in your life because they're just not meant to stay connected to your calling. They're not meant to stay connected to where God is taking you to. Here's the realization that I've had. You ready? Not every staff member that has ever left this church is a bad person. Doesn't matter how much the enemy tries to convince me that they are. They're not all bad people. And the churches that they go and work at are not necessarily bad churches. It's a lot of ego. It's a lot of stuff that I have to work through as a pastor and, and, and as, as an employer. I have to work through that. Not every 
person that walks out of your life is a bad person. It just means that they're no longer attached to, to your calling. It means they're not attached to my calling anymore, nor I to their calling. Because let me tell you something about this church staff. As much as they are attached to my calling, I, I'm thoroughly convinced that I'm attached to their calling also. We're co-laborers in the kingdom. And sure, it hurts when people leave. It feels like they no longer want to be a part of your life. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all that they all are not of us. Now, let me just break that down for you. They were here, now they're gone. It's pretty obvious that now that they're gone, they're not part of us. That's how simple it really is. It's really, really simple. That what God wanted to do in Naomi's life, it did not include Orpah any longer. And what God wanted to do in Ruth's life, it did not include Orpah any longer. We tend to get so upset when someone disconnects from our lives. Let me ask you something, church. Are God's plans for our lives so fragile that they hinge on who stays and who goes? Do you really believe that, that what God wants to do through my life hinges on who stays and who goes? What God wants to do through your life hinges on who stays and who goes? You see, Orpah was not necessarily a bad daughter-in-law. From all indications, she was not a bad human being at all. She stuck around. She helped bury not only her own husband, but also her father-in-law and her brother-in-law. But there came a point in time when she was ready to move on. She had dreams that were no longer directly tied to Naomi, so Naomi releases her. Some people are just no longer tied to your destiny, and you need to learn to let them go. My staff will tell you, I'm not one to beg somebody, even when I feel like begging them, even when I think I need to beg them. I'm not one to beg someone. If you feel like God is leading you in a different direction, then I will help you explore that. I'm, I'm not going to beg. I'm going to help pray. And there's even been moments when I've looked at some staff members and I've said, listen, I, there's no way I can give you an honest opinion on this. I can't counsel you through this because I'm very biased right now. And I've suggested you need to go and you need to talk with someone that you trust, someone that's strong in the faith that you trust because I'm way too biased. Some of you in the room, you need to realize this. There's no need to beg someone to stay and be a part of your life and connected to your calling. Don't beg. Don't beg. Some people you meet are only meant to be there for a season. I think about Paul and Barnabas. Man, what a great missionary team. And then their first journey, everything went great together. And, and when they're getting ready to go on their second journey, Barnabas says, hey, I want to bring one of my relatives with me, John Mark. Let's bring young John Mark with us. And, and if you remember, Paul gets very distraught over this. Paul says, no, no. He abandoned us on the last missionary journey. L listen to what Acts 15 and 39 says. It says, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. This was a fantastic ministry team, Paul and Barnabas. But now they're going in different directions. And here, here is what is so unique about this. Right or wrong, neither Paul nor Barnabas allowed this to hinder their faith nor their calling. Both men continued to spread the gospel. But as far as we know, 
there's no indication that they ever worked together again. However, later Paul writes to, to Timothy and he tells him, he says, bring John Mark with you because he can be useful to me. Some people, they're gone forever. Some people will show back up when you and them can handle it in a more mature way. But let me, let me push all of that aside because I want to talk to you about lifetime people. You see, if I just left it right there, this would be one of the most depressing support staff appreciation days that we've ever had. There's lifetime people. And I'm not talking about people that go and watch the Lifetime channel. Some of my staff members probably do that too. Andrew and Jackson. But... Um, <laughs> Lifetime people, they're with you for the long haul. God puts these people in your life also. You've got to start recognizing them. They're there to help you celebrate when it's time to celebrate. Lifetime people, they're there to help you mourn when it's time to mourn. They'll cry with you. Yeah, they'll have the streamers ready to go. When it's time to party. But when it's time to bury, they'll come alongside you and hold you up. If you get into trouble, lifetime people, they'll get neck deep in trouble with you. I'm not saying it's, it's right, I'm just saying that's what they'll do. Because they're there. They're not necessarily just attached to your calling. They're attached to you. They love you. They care about you. And you can't run them off. Your destiny is tied to that person. And, and you better find these people and you better treat them right. I think about David and Jonathan. Jonathan's dad, Saul, wanted to kill David. Was so jealous of David when the women and children were chanting, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands, the anger and sight of Saul, he became so bitter. He was throwing spears at David. David sitting there playing the harp, trying to calm Saul down, and, and he would pick up spears and throw them across the room at him. He would send out men searching for him, searching through caves, trying to find David. But David had this unique relationship with his son, Jonathan, with Saul's son, Jonathan. That Jonathan was even willing to let him know what his dad's plans were to keep David safe. They had a, a bond like brothers. I think about Elijah and Elisha. That a, a young Elisha was willing to walk away from what the Bible calls a very comfortable life because he came from a very well-to-do family. But because he recognized the calling and the anointing on Elijah's life, he was willing to walk away from that. And, and from the best that we can gather for seven or eight years, he followed Elijah and wanted to be right there when Elijah was taken up into heaven so that he could catch the, the mantle, which represented Elijah's anointing falling on him and asked him, man, bless me with a double portion. Ruth was that person for Naomi and vice versa. Naomi was that lifetime support that Ruth needed. And so in closing, I want to bring your attention to one thing that could potentially mess you up. 
And, and, and honestly, this is not about the staff right now. This is about, about you. This is about all of us in the room. The one thing that can really mess you up is one verse that, that we, we read but, but is often overlooked. I know that we said Orpo was not necessarily a, a bad person. Well, I said that. You didn't say that. I said that Orpo was not necessarily a bad person. She had some great qualities. She was there through a very tough time. But there's this one verse that troubles me. Ruth chapter 1, verse 15. And it says, Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Orpah and Ruth were from a, a country called Moab. As you research this, you'll find that it was not one of the best places to live. Not only did they not worship the God of Israel and, and worship false gods, but even their, their beginnings were so troubled. You see, when you go back to the story of Abraham and Lot and how God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife didn't make it, so now he's raising his two daughters on his own. And these daughters realize we're never going to meet a man. There's no man in our family, no one in our clan that we could ever marry. How are we ever going to have children? And they devise a plan to get their father Lot drunk to sleep with him. Both girls get pregnant. One of them has a son by the name of Ammon. It's where we get the Ammonites from. And the other has a son by the name of Moab. It's where the Moabites come from. The country of Moab came from, from this son. He was a product of incest. And throughout Scripture, you will see a very schizophrenic relationship between the nations of Israel and Moab. Sometimes they're at war, sometimes they're at peace. And the greatest thing that ever happened to these daughters-in-law, to Ruth and to Orpah, was meeting these two young men that taught them to love the God of Israel. And Orpah looks at Naomi and says, I'm going back to my country. And Naomi says, she's going back to her home and to her gods. And Ruth says, your God will be my God. And there's a big difference there. Is it possible sometimes that we can walk away from some of the divine relationships that God has put into our lives that will keep us from returning back to a sinful lifestyle? Is it possible that we can walk away from divine appointments and relationships sometimes that, that God wants us to be plugged into them, them to us, because that's how our callings flourish together? And Orpah was willing to walk away from that God. One daughter-in-law would travel to Bethlehem with Naomi. The other returns home, disappears from historical accounts, never to be heard from again. One would have an entire book of the Bible named after her, Ruth. The other is merely mentioned in just two verses of the Bible. Ruth would go on to meet the man of her dreams with her mother-in-law's support. Oddly enough, Ruth would give her a grandson that, that she would help raise. 
Naomi would help raise this grandson. And, and other women would tell her that Ruth was better than seven sons could be to her. And this grandson's name? His name was Obed, and he becomes Jesse's father, the father of David. And if you follow that bloodline, you'll realize that Jesus Christ is later born of that, of that lineage. Over the years, I've had a few conversations with people from my past, former students, different people I work with. And the conversations would be about becoming a part of DCC, maybe coming on staff or coming to help us out and... I've had a few of those conversations through the year, and for most of them, I knew that it was a long shot because they're already on staff at great churches, and to be honest, there was still a lot of prayer that had to happen. But there was this one couple that I felt like they needed to be here. I'm not going to say their names. And from early on, I felt like they needed to be here in some way, shape, or form. They were willing to relocate their family to go and help a church plant another city. Not as pastors, just as volunteers. When I asked them to come here and be a part of that, they didn't want to. They loved us, just didn't want to be a part of it. But I still felt strong. They needed to be here. So a few years later, we had a ministry position open up. I contacted them again. And unfortunately, some of the leadership that they had had in their life, a couple of the pastors that they had worked for, they had not had some of the greatest examples. But so they still refused to entertain the thoughts of coming here. Again, there was much prayer that had to follow that in an interview process, but I just felt strong that they needed to be here. Instead, they ended up moving up north to plant a church. And within a couple of years, their marriage dissolved, divorced, both of them out of ministry. It's heartbreaking to me. I know what you're thinking. Whew. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't work out and they didn't come here. But I can't help but believe that the sad thing about this whole thing is that their life would have been different for them had they come here. I believe that they would still be operating in their calling. Walking away from the right people, I believe, cost them that. Not that we've got it all together. I just felt very strong that that's what was supposed to happen. Let me say this to you, church. Make sure that you're connected for a lifetime to the right people that will help carry you in your calling. Make sure that you don't walk away from those relationships because they're important. And here's what I've come to realize. That the lifetime connections in my life, they're not only going to be my greatest armor bearers. One day they'll probably be my pallbearers. That they're not here just to to celebrate a growing church but they're, they're here to do life with me when it's growing and when it's not growing when it's thriving and when it's not thriving and you've got to have those people in your life everybody's there for a reason some people are there for a season 
but then he'll put those people around you that will be there for a lifetime. Find them. Find them. Work on those relationships. They matter. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.